Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. An exploration hoax. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. Jonathan Swift's A Modest Proposal is arguably one of the most famous social and political satires in the English language. And one of the most famous lines within it is when Swift claims, quote, a native of the land of Formosa, Formosa now present day Taiwan, idiotically suggests the solution for poverty is feeding Irish babies to the upper classes. Remember that from school, maybe? Well, 10 years after Swift penned a modest proposal, another celebrated author, Dr. Samuel Johnson, would befriend that same Formosan mentioned in a modest proposal a blonde-haired, blue-eyed man with a vague French accent and bizarre rituals, a man who captured English audiences claiming to be the first Asian man to visit Europe. His name was George Solmanezer, and in the early 1700s, he was a superstar and a gigantic con man. In late 1702, Alexander Innes, an Anglican chaplain of a Scottish army unit stationed in the Netherlands, met a man he called a heathen, a handsome, blonde-haired, blue-eyed individual who spoke in a strange language and claimed to be from Formosa, again, modern-day Taiwan. Innes promptly converted the man to Christianity, christening him George Salmanezer, after the Assyrian king Shalmaneser V, a nice, meaty Old Testament reference. In 1703, Innes, so fascinated by Salmanezer's strange customs, which included a completely indecipherable calendar, eating raw meat spiced with cardamom, sleeping while sitting upright in a chair, and hours-long moon and sun rituals, left for London, taking his intriguing new convert with him. Innes planned to show Salmanezer off to his fellow Anglican clergymen, maybe gain some clout in the most powerful church in Europe, or, hey, maybe both. When Innes and Salmanezer touched down in London, news of the exotic foreigner with bizarre habits spread quickly, and Salmanezer was pretty instantly famous. People loved him not only because he seemed palatably and inoffensively, quote, exotic, 
but also because his story appealed to the idea of a religion reforming, quote, inferior people and the English people's anti-Catholic sentiment of the time. So what was his story exactly? Well, according to Salmanezer, he was just a normal Formosian Asian man abducted by malevolent Jesuits and taken to France, where he refused to become a Catholic. Then he met Innes and converted to Anglicanism. To English media outlets, Salman Ezra was a star, a poster child for the right kind of colonialism. His specific religious commitment, his master of the English language, with a vague French accent that nobody questioned, he became a favorite of the Bishop of London and other highly respectable members of English society who begged to know more. And Salman Ezra gave the people what they wanted. In 1704, Salman Ezra published a book called an historical and geographical description of Formosa, an island subject to the emperor of Japan. The book was a detailed description of Formosian customs with charts, travel reports, diagrams, and more. According to Salmanezer, Formosa was a prosperous country with a capital city called Externetza. The people of Formosa mostly ate snakes that they hunted with tree branches. Formosians walked around naked except for a gold or silver plate to cover their genitals. Husbands were polygamous and had a right to eat their wives should they cheat on them. If you were to be charged with murder on the island, you'd be executed by upside-down hanging and then shot full of arrows. Salmanezer also claimed the Formosians had built a gigantic temple for their high priest they called Gnotoi Bonzo, who commanded them to annually sacrifice, quote, the hearts of 18,000 young boys under the age of nine years on the first day of the year. Then Salmanezer explained the priests ate the boys' bodies. They used horses and camels for transport and lived underground in cute little circular houses. According to an Atlantic article by Kimbrew McLeod, quote, Salmanezer sounded like an anthropology major tripping on peyote. I'm not going to say I disagree. Jason, I'm going to show you some illustrations Salmanezer created, and I just want you to give your thoughts on them and perhaps some ideas on what kind of person drew them. I'm going to go into this with an open mind. Yes, go in with an open mind. You know a little bit about this person that constructed these drawings. But I just want to ask, like, does this person have a command of, like, a culture? It, it looks like if you asked a European man from the 1700s to draw anything that wasn't European to me – it would be like this very ethnocentric, like, like, no, none of the men are wearing shirts, for example, but they're still like smoking like long pipes. The women have like a daisy crown. It's just like, it, it they makes almost look no like sense. superheroes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of capes, a yeah, lot of hat. draperies and, and, you know, like the shrouds of, I don't know what a burger is. One of the titles is a burger. One is a country bumpkin. One is a virgin and one is a bride. Of course, two very different things, the virgin and the bride. Don't ask me which one I am. <laughs> no, no, I think no. you can guess though. Are you a Carrie? <laughs> I'm at it's, least two out of the three. Okay. That's good. I'm going to keep guessing. I'm going to keep ruminating on it, but clearly this person has no fucking idea. And again, if you're someone in the 1700s in Europe, maybe you'd be like, oh, that makes sense. But it really it kind of looks like old drawings of like pilgrims from the early Americas. It's like this vague kind of ridiculous idea of what someone that is not like you would look like this man's quote unquote culture. But then there's the Formosian language that Salman Ezra described and graphed in obsessive and convincing detail. The Formosian alphabet had 20 letters that were written from right to left, a detail Salmanezer probably thought was true of all Asian languages. 
It sounded, quote, a little Hebrew, kind of Greek, and the rest nonsense. All in all, he created a language that sounded, generally to many people, very real. Here is his translation of a Christian prayer into Formosan. Forgive my pronunciation of this uh, language. Amy Pornio Danchin Ornio Viki Gnai Jorhe Sailori Ifoder Se Bagalin Jorhe Sai Dominion Apo Chin Ornio Kachin Badi Ayan Amy Katsada Nada Kichion Toi Ant Nada Yi K Radonye Ant Emi Sochin Brakatsky Ken Sai V Bagalin K Veri K Barhanian Chinaania Sendabe Amien the language was so impressive that German grammarians included samples of Salmanezer's Formosian alphabet in books about language well into the 19th century, even after, well, spoiler alert, his fakery had been exposed. But for now, it was the early 18th century, and Salmanezer's book and story were both riveting. Salmanezer was invited to lecture on Formosian culture and language all over Europe, including a lecture before the Royal Society. Despite all of this praise, there were skeptics who questioned, well, how European Solmanezer looked. Quote, my complexion indeed, which was very fair, Solmanezer recalled, appeared an unanswerable objection against me. The Royal Society report on him noted that, quote, he looked like a young Dutchman. But he did have an answer. Solmanezer told an elaborate story about how the upper classes of Formosa lived, quote, in cool shades or apartments underground, which kept their skin very light. Although some ethnic distinctions existed during this period, like the difference between Europeans and African people, more nuanced categories of race did not yet exist. According to, again, writer Kimbrew McLeod in his Atlantic piece about Solmanezer, quote, quote, there was simply no conceptual framework in place to ask the question, aren't you Caucasian? Another giant dissenting force of Solmanezer's were the English Jesuits who had actually been to Taiwan on missions. They said that Solmanezer was, in essence, delusional. They agreed that they had never heard of this language or these customs or anything Solmanezer detailed in his public appearances or in his very bad book. But probably because of anti-Jesuit prejudice, nobody believed the Jesuits calling bullshit on Solmanezer's strange and intense story. But eventually, some very powerful factors would unravel Solmanezer's Formosian origin story. Mainly, time, ego, and opium. A lot of opium. We'll get to it after the break. Hi. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly 
which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello. How are you doing? Hello. Hello. How's it going? How's it going over there? What's going on over there? Oh, way out yonder? I'm from the land far away <laughs> you've never been to. Oh, I see. I see. Tell me everything. I'm here to thank the good people of Ghost Town for oh. supporting, spreading the good word. We appreciate you from where I come from, <laughs> the east side of Los Angeles. Wow. What's your language like, your culture? Uh, I'm a burger. <laughs> You're a burger. <laughs> and a little bit of a virgin. <laughs> oh, okay. Now we know. Now that, we know. What we put high upon a pedestal where I'm from, our governments. <laughs> That's right. And That's your true. ghost town government is second to none. That's that's true. Especially the mayors. I mean, they're great. I've heard a lot about the, I guess would be sorceress. Hmm. <laughs> Does ghost town government have a sorceress? <laughs> uh, we, we do now. We do now. Known as, and this is guess, a mysterious name, mm. Emma Hopkins. Hello. You also have a town blacksmith. I'm it's jumping around as far important. as the stations here, but the they're all equally are... cool. Yeah, and important. With, again, very mysterious name, Ashley Matson. Hello. And the town jester. But <laughs> everyone loves the jester. Uh-huh. Everyone loves comedians. That's true. That's something we know. Through time and space. Through Everyone and loves space. Highest paid, most respected. We love them. That'd be Kelly Meehan. Hello. And we have the town doctor. <laughs> Just prescribing any old bottle of what. <laughs> he makes house calls. Makes house calls, has a little bag. <laughs> he doesn't even have an office. He just comes on over. That'd be Dr. Kat Jozell. Hello. Then we have the town crier. <laughs> what do they do? What is that? Always oh, crying. <laughs> Crying about this, crying about that, but gets everybody's attention. Oh, okay. Everyone heeds the word of the town crier. (laughs) And that would be Matthew Clement Lurie. Hello. And then we have the town bad person. (laughs) Not really a criminal, but not not a criminal. I mean, they, it's like they abide by laws, but they're they have a bad attitude Did about they, it. They kind of like, like they lean on things with one foot up. Oh, nice. Maybe smoking some whatever they're smoking. Oh, it's like a hat. Yeah, like a hat pulled down <laughs> in an alley. All right, in the, little, the narrow alleyways. That's scary. That'd be Casey Weber. Hello. And this town has a governor. <laughs> this governor allows all of this to happen. Mm-hmm. Everything, it's a chess game. Everything's moving according to the governor's plan. Mm-hmm. Has, has almost a godlike reverie. Almost. Almost. No one knows. <laughs> the town crier's like, I don't know about that. And the governor's like, I do know about that. And the town crier's like, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. That would be our governor. Avian Noble. If you want no ads, no chit-chat, bonus episodes, just the good stuff, seven days free. If you want to check Mm. in, check out, Mm. who cares, or support us a little bit more, we appreciate. Head on over to patreon.com slash ghost town pod. Want to get more back into burgers and versions? Let's do it. Let's get back. It's 1705, and everyone is still fascinated by Salmanezer's story of being a Formosian and his book, 
and historical and geographical description of Formosa, an island subject to the Emperor of Japan. Now it's A-N, historical, starting with an H, so it's not grammatically correct. Maybe it was at one point. That's neither here nor there. Innes eventually went to Portugal as a chaplain general to the British forces. And again, he was also doing well at first. But by then, he had a pretty heavy opium addiction and had spent all the money he'd made in several misguided business ventures, including a failed effort to sell decorated fans he claimed to have imported from Formosa. Salmanezer, also a zealous user of opium, made more and more out there claims and became less and less credible as time went on. Also, knowledge of Formosa from other sources was brought to light. At this point, people were actually traveling there, and the Jesuits who had been there before were being taken much more seriously. The world, due to exploration by European colonizers, was getting smaller. Widespread publication of books was making corroboration of information much, much easier. Generally, London society was getting tired of what was called the Formosian craze. And as they should, for the reasons that I just mentioned. Of course, none of this bode well for Salmanezer, and he saw the writing on the wall. In 1706, Salmanezer and his story had curdled, and he was widely considered a giant national joke, as evidenced by an April Fool's-themed satire published in London's Spectator magazine. The March 16, 1711 issue announced, quote, On the 1st of April will be performed at the Playhouse in the Haymarket an opera called De the Cruelty of Atreus. The scene wherein Thyestes eats his own children is to be performed by the famous Mr. Salmanezer, lately arrived from Formosa, the whole supper being set to kettle drums. Salmanezer had had enough of the humiliation and finally confessed, first to friends and then publicly. He said the, quote, facts contained in his book were a mishmash of travel reports, his vague knowledge and misinterpretation of Japanese and Chinese ideologies, and accounts of Aztec and Incan civilizations. In the years after he confessed, I would say came clean, but that doesn't quite feel right due to all the opium. Salmanezer actually did a lot, despite, again, being a huge liar and not being taken seriously. At that point, he was a fraud and a full-on opium addict. But he worked as a clerk in an army regiment until the clergyman there sponsored him to go to school for theology. There, he learned Hebrew, co-authored a book, and contributed to a number of historical manuscripts, one of which was a compilation called A Complete System of Geography, writing about the real conditions in Formosa. In it, Salmanezer pointedly criticized the hoax he himself perpetuated and sustained himself by writing 12 hours each day on a strict diet of 12 drops of opium mixed with a pint of punch. During this time, Salmanezer also cultivated an unlikely friendship with the young writer and critic Samuel Johnson, who founded the Oxford Dictionary. Johnson recalled that Salmanezer had been well known in his neighborhood as an eccentric but saintly figure, quote, whereof he was so well known and esteemed that scarce any person, even children, passed him without showing him signs of respect. That's a shift. Salmanezer also interacted with a number of other important English literary figures at this time, including, as mentioned in the beginning of this episode, Jonathan Swift. In 1753, Salmanezer published his own book of theological essays, and at that point decided to turn his life around. I'm not sure why, but I can't imagine it was an easy life at this point. By 1762, he was a reformed, drug-free, religious man and published his last will and testament, called, pretty bluntly, the last will and testament of me, a poor, sinful, and worthless creature, commonly known by the assumed name of George Salmanezer. In it, he directed that his body should be committed to the common burying ground in the humblest and cheapest manner, 
and declared that his history of Formosa book, that bestseller from 1704, was, quote, a base and shameful imposture, a fraud on the public. On May 3, 1764, George Salmanezer died, leaving behind a bizarre autobiography called Memoirs, commonly known by the name of George Salmanezer, a reputed native of Formosa, which was published in 1764. In it, he admitted some actual truths about his life, or at least people agree now that they were mostly true, but pretty spun in a classic Salmanezer fashion. His father, he wrote, quote, was of an ancient but decayed family and left his mother and him to fend for themselves. Salmanezer was taught by Franciscans at a free school, by Jesuits at a college, and finally by Dominicans at an unspecified university. In all of these educational institutions, he claimed to have been celebrated by his teachers for what he flagged as, quote, my uncommon genius for languages, calling himself a child prodigy who was fluent in Latin at age seven. At 14, he became a professional tutor, and at 15, he became disenchanted with academia and was forced to leave for not succumbing to the sexual advances of a mother of one of his students. And then he was off traveling, setting up his elaborate plan to fool his fellow Europeans. As the years went by, others pieced together Salmanezer's actual story, but again, it's hard to know for sure. Many believe he was born in southern France, some guess Languedoc or Provence, sometime between 1679 and 1684. To leave France, Salmanezer first pretended to be an Irish pilgrim on his way to Rome. After learning English, forging a passport, and stealing a pilgrim's cloak and staff from the reliquary of a local church, he set off. But the locals knew Ireland very well, and he fooled nobody with his bad, corny disguise. Deciding that a more exotic identity was needed, Solmanezer found inspiration in Jesuit missionary reports. Yes, the very ones who called him out when he came back to London, about East Asia and decided to impersonate a Japanese convert, then a Taiwanese one, with, as his disguise evolved, lots of strange, made-up customs. Having never reached Rome, Salmanezer trucked through Germany in 1700, 1701, and 1702, and appeared in the Netherlands where he met Innes, and his fake identity really calcified. I want to note again that even into the 1900s, German grammarians included samples of Salmanezer's Formosian alphabet in books about language. So entrenched was this guy's hold on European culture. And the craziest part, for all his writings, teachings, and admissions, his fame even, the birth name of George Salmanezer, along with the motive to his whole strange Taiwanese hoax, is still and will likely always be unknown. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. 
Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.